a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman, back again to talk about different information and different issues in our community. One that is a potential threat to one out of eight women in our community. We're going to talk about breast cancer with Dr. Ann Kieran. She's the medical director of the Jordan Valley Cancer Center and the Breast Care Center. And even as I said that statistic, that's a national statistic, I isn't know, it? but it always scares people when you say one out of eight women. So tell me what you, would, you uh, think is a better communication. One out of eight lifetime risk. That makes it so different, doesn't it? Because you know why we've got people who are 35 and feel a bump and freak out? It's not one out of eight if you're 35. It's like one out of 7,000 if you're 35. Did you know that? No. So in Ah. other words, if we take the average lifespan of a woman, Mm -hmm. sometime in that lifespan, there's a one in eight chance. Okay. If you're hanging out with all the 70-year-olds, one out of eight. Because the older we get, the higher the incidence. Yes. Okay. So the two leading risk factors for breast cancer are being a woman Mm -hmm. And being an older woman? Aging. Okay. Being alive is a risk factor for just about anything. <laughs> well, I should say, not only are you the medical director of the Jordan Valley Cancer Center, who is a partner with us as we are painting the town pink for the month of October. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but you're also a breast disease specialist. Yep. So let's talk a little bit. We, we mentioned off the top, okay, the scary thing. There is a one in eight chance at some time in our life we'll be diagnosed. How do we take the fear away from that? Um, well, you know, diabetes is kind of scarier and most people don't even think about, it. we take everything out of context. Cancer, you think it's a four letter word and everybody thinks cancer equals doomed. Not the case anymore. We have more cancer survivors in the United States than the entire population of, I think it's Indiana. Right? Wow. Okay. And what do you attribute all that success, that idea that survivorship has increased? Oh, treatments have increased. You know, I have a love hate relationship with computers. I love to hate them, but They've allowed research and data that you just could not get close to before. And now, you, now we've got so much more information. Now you came, treatment. You were doing a lot of research when you were with Stanford. Some. And, and tell us the type of research that is go- ongoing. I mean, we're looking at not only what type of treatment is most effective for different types of diseases. What else are we looking at? That is so important. Actually, and it, it's kind of one of those scary things of cancer because cancer is a lifetime disease. No different than diabetes or asthma. Okay, asthma isn't. Heart disease, Heart disease, Uh right? There's things we can do to make that risk lower, risk of recurrence, very scary. But we have some phenomenal new researches on not just treatments. People kind of forget cancers. Like it's not one disease. It's like a room full of five-year-olds. Are they all the same? No. (laughs) Okay, right? But they're all five. So that's how people start thinking about cancers. And then I'm going to tell you breast cancer. And you're like, okay, all the five-year-olds with blue shirts. Okay, no. There are a bunch of five-year-olds with blue search, and they're all radically different, too, and we're learning that. We're learning better treatments for different subtypes of cancers. That's why we're getting better survivorship. Just that kind of gives me a deep breath, because years ago, there was a stigma to even talk about breast cancer, right? So you talk about putting five-year-olds in a room and not telling anybody that they are in Mm -hmm. that room. Right. And now going to the point where we've realized by being open and opening up the research dollars to that as well, that that it's such a different disease for different women. Huge, huge. And it's different types. I can have four 38-year-olds 
with breast cancer, and that's four radically different types with four different, we say prognostics because that's, you know, doc speak so we can sound smart. It means odds. What are your odds? What are your odds the chemo is going to work? You know, it's not zero and 100. I wish. Ooh, do I wish that I wouldn't mind being out of business? I'd go into forestry. But in reality, it's like anything in life. I think people like the one answer, one cause, one cure. Nothing is that easy. However, we're getting better. We're getting a lot better. And that's why we have survivors. It's why we still need to do a lot more studies because now you got to worry about recurrence. Well, good. That means you're alive. So we have to worry about it. And we're learning more about what causes recurrence as well. Absolutely. So let's step back for just a minute. I mentioned the two biggest risk factors mm-hmm. for a woman um, getting diagnosed with breast cancer would be being a woman and being an older woman. The older we get, the higher the risk, right? Yep. But we also have learned that there are certain risk factors, lifestyle risk factors that play a role in increasing the chances. What are those? Huge, huge, huge. Diet and exercise. Is it that simple? Well, yes. Um, eating right and exercising can decrease your risk, not just for breast cancer, but for eight. Well, we've directly linked it to eight, nine, 12. I don't know. I think we're up to 12 cancers. Wow. It matters that much. Things like alcohol, that actually is a that it's linked to a lot and smoking, smoking, yeah, terrible, basically terrible for just a zillion different reasons. Genetics, those have always been around, and that's not actually a lifestyle risk factor. So we should maybe Put slide that, that one there. off to the mm-hmm. side. We used to say, in fact, they did some research. You might even have been a part of it, where women would say, "I don't have to worry about breast cancer because my mom, it's not in my family history." But when we found out that there were the BRCA genes mm-hmm. that you could find, and a woman found out, well, it's not in my history, I'm okay. We actually. What had to put that in context and say, that's just one of the risk factors oh, is yes. having it in your family history. Well, and it's not just that. That's only one of the bazillion genes that you happen to have in your body. Look, it's because of computers. I think we're up to 27. We call them actionable genes. That means genes we've linked to breast cancer in families. Does that mean those are the only ones when you have millions of genes? Not a chance. Does it also mean if I have 100 women with breast cancer, I only have 20 that have a big family history. We test anybody who's young. We test all those with family history. I only got five. I could say I know which gene was involved. The other 15 were like, uh. We don't huh. know yet. We don't even know which gene it is. How's that? It's right. probably multiple. Right. So much so to learn. So it does. I, I know that when I was talking to my mother-in-law about the importance of her getting her mammogram, she would say, I'm avoiding it because I'm afraid of the diagnosis. So, you know, we are. We've been talking about there's risk factors. We're wondering, uh, am I exercising enough? Mm-hmm. Am I overweight, increasing my risk? Um, I do drink alcohol. Uh, I am smoking. Um, what's going to happen? Maybe there's family history. Uh, and then the fear is there. And what we want to do is, as you mentioned at the very beginning, survivorship is up. Mm-hmm. And if we find this disease early, it's treatable. It is so treatable. The more earlier we find breast cancer. So the earlier you first you know, um, recognize you're at risk and and take those screening opportunities, the greater the chance you have to not be afraid. That not be just okay. that. It's less treatment. Are you kidding? Anybody I can keep from getting chemotherapy? Two thumbs up. Do we need it? Does it work? Yes. That's why we have survivors. Is it terrible? Is it miserable? Yeah. We have to be realists. But there's a lot of things in life that aren't easy. That doesn't make it not worth it. So if you get diagnosed early, mm-hmm. not only do you have a greater prognosis for a longer, healthier life, but you will be facing less intensive treatments, radiation or chemotherapy or surgeries if you find it early. So that's an added bonus. It's it's all improved radically. Take advantage of it. I mean, everybody drives a car. Do you know how dangerous that is? (laughs) You're more likely to die from that, but you'll do it. Yeah. So do you wear a seatbelt? Yes. Okay. So then go get a mammogram. How's that different? Right. 
Let's talk about that because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of conflicting information about whether we need them. Should we at what age? Mm-hmm. I began getting mammograms at age 35 because my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. She was postmenopausal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's when we have a higher risk of getting breast cancer. But I started at 35. So for the last 15, 16 years, photos every year and mm-hmm. the results. And we kind of track what's happening with my breast. Where are we now with mammograms? What is the recommendation? No, that depends on who you're reading and, and what you want to follow. How about I, Dr. Ann Kieran, the medical director of the Jordan Valley Cancer Center? Excellent choice. All right. That's kind of cheating. I'm here. <laughs> okay. Um, I actually did look at data from CDC and NIH. Now, that is a whole collection of information based on United States. Now, that's important to me because sometimes some of the other recommendations we might be getting are on studies that are not based in the United States. So... The current data support, that sounded fancy, Mm -hmm. but when we look at a lot of info and look at the whole United States, then probably women that do not have additional risk factors, don't have a big family history, um, don't have problems with obesity, don't have immune system problems, don't drink a lot, don't smoke a lot. Those people, you can start getting your mammograms at age 45. Rather than 40. Yep. Okay. And, And then at age 45, is it recommended annually? Uh, The data based on United States Mm -hmm. studies from... 45 to 55, they should be annual. And you know what? After that, it is okay if you're not having any abnormalities to go to every other year. Okay. What's interesting in our family profile, because my mom carried mm-hmm. it, but no BRCA gene, so we don't know what triggered the breast cancer in, in her life, but she skipped a year. Uh, and it was in that year that she skipped a mammogram that the small tumor up arrived or appeared. Mm-hmm. And she ended up palpating it. It was an aggressive cancer. So yeah. in a short period of time, it had already become um, palpable. You could, she could already yeah. touch it. And you know, as an expert in breast cancer disease, that if we can feel the lump, it's already at a stage. We prefer to house, house this. It's better to say it's better to find the breast cancer before we can even notice yeah. it. With, if right? you can feel it, you got a 50-50 chance it already figured out how to travel. Now, in the breast cancer world, you have to remember, just because it can travel does not mean it figured out how to live anywhere else. If I throw you on an airplane dressed in what you're dressed and send you to Antarctica and say, spend the night, you're not going to make it. So remember, it's a breast cell. huh? If it lands on the liver, it's probably not going to like that environment a whole lot and die. So being able to travel means you got to get more treatments, different levels of treatments. Does not mean you're doomed. Does not mean you're... We hear stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. Mm -hmm. Which stage is the traveling stage? Two. Two. Two, three, four. Four means it figured out how to live somewhere it didn't belong. Okay. Stage one is when we found a breast cancer cell or a mass Mm -hmm. um, that has not left that area. As far as we know. As far as we know. And that requires the least amount of treatment? Usually. Okay. Now, see, you opened up a whole other info thing courtesy of computers. We've started testing. Now, remember when we say genetics, that's people. That's what kind of genes you got from mom and dad. Genomics, I always remember it because there's an M in tumor. Okay. That's looking at the the genes that are messed up that belong to that little scallywag, the tumor. Okay. Because we figured out some of them are slow growing. You know, maybe we don't need chemo for you, even though you're bigger. Maybe we don't need chemo for you because I looked at the genes of the, you know, the messed up guy and eh, he's kind of a wimp. We could probably stomp on it with surgery and a little radiation treatment and let you move on with life. Wow. Yeah. It's really gotten bigger. That's fantastic mm-hmm. because that gives you that greater sense of assurance. You you mentioned the word prognosis. I think you did. Yeah. And I know that when in my mom's journey, the first thing she wanted to know is what stage mm, of course. Okay, of yeah. breast cancer. And number two is what does this mean for me? Uh-huh. Am I going to die for it? Am I going to die for it? How, How long, long could I, I live? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's a natural 
fear because we hear cancer and we do hear that there's fatality more, you know, it's part of, of the diseases that sometimes are life threatening, but we know so much more now about that. We do. But the other thing we have to recognize is if I really knew hundred percent, I could tell you, I don't, I will tell people odds. It's hard. It's so hard, but you know, part of the fear factor you were talking about earlier is based on if you had cancer, you died because we only really knew about stage four especially in the breast world, when women did not get exams by doctors, not in any of the, quote, women's areas. So it was always so advanced before it was found. That's that it why. it was horrific. Okay. So when you hear cancer, you're like, okay, I'm doomed. It's probably going to be metastatic. I'll die. That's what it used to be. You got to catch up. This day and age, I mean, we treat it like diabetes. We really, and diabetes is risky too. But cancers with odds, it does depend on stage. That makes a big difference. But if you're stage one, heck, we're like 97% survival, five-year survival. You know why we do five and 10-year anniversaries no. for cancer survivors? That's actually important to know. Do you know 65% of recurrences, meaning that cancer came back either in the breast again or somewhere, else, somewhere in else in the body? Sure. Mm-hmm. 65% within five years. 95% in 10. So that's why we celebrate the five-year five anniversary. Like, right. You've just beat the odds. For 65%. Right. Just, woo, and and then 10, 10 you're like, yes. Oh, that is so powerful. For those who've just joined us, it's Dr. Ann Kieran. She's the medical director of the Jordan Valley Cancer Center and Breast Care Center. I want to ask you specifically um, about the Jordan Valley Cancer Center, because I, I know that this is a resource for women and a few men who are living in that part of the valley. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the treatment that's available there, the diagnosis. What can we find at the Jordan Valley Cancer Center that can help us in the battle against breast cancer? Everything. We don't do just breast cancer, but since that is my specialty, I'm the breast cancer surgeon um, and the director that helps. So, But if we're going to focus on the breast cancer side of what we do at there is everything. It's amazing because what we do, if you've looked at community cancer centers, they are a growing field. Not only because we have, well, more people in the United States. Every time I check, there's more of us which means we've got more cancer. We've got a quarter of a million women are going to get diagnosed with breast cancer this year, okay? 2,500 men. Happens, one for 100. But what we need then is treatment centers that focus all of the care in one place. Now, community cancer centers, there's like a whole thing about accreditation now, and there's a couple good recently released actually this year in Journal of Clinical Oncology. Cancer centers that are community cancers that are accredited are doing better than average national average care because we can do everything right there. I can get you chemo, surgery, plastics, counseling. Radiation is downstairs. Everything. So if and that happens, helps oh, yeah. right with the communication. I remember with my mom who did not have a community center yeah. that she was driving with your x-rays to the radio, mm-hmm. you know, radiation oh, yep. specialist. And then she'd drive across town to somewhere. Not only is there the anxiety, but there is the weakness, the strength if you've been undergoing chemotherapy. So when you have it all together... Then you can also feel like there's a team support oh my right there on the center. I walk people down the hall. I'm like, hang on a sec. That sounds like a medical oncology question. Don't go. Don't go anywhere. And I just pop my head around the corner. And when the, we have a chemo bay that's all windows now, they got a fireplace. We're trying. There's still light in life. Don't let cancer make it dark. So we have really focused on wide open space because it matters. And now when the chemo nurse, she's awesome, at that one end says, hey, Dr. Kieran, can you check and make sure this port's okay? And I'll run down the hallway with my ultrasound. Why not? I'm right there. It's awesome. Right. Talk to me about you saying that you're the, the surgeon there. When do we need to do surgery when we're battling breast cancer? I know that's complex, but in it general. complex nowadays. In general. So if people have, it depends on the, it depends on the five-year-old. Okay. So if you have 
a cancer that doesn't ha- that that's a particularly mean one and it already figured out how to travel before it got found probably we ought to be doing systemic treatment that's our doc speak for chemotherapy shrink it there's a lot of times we can do breast conservation surgery you don't have to have a mastectomy because you got breast cancer there are some people that's the right choice some people you don't need it i have had people go on chemo shrink it to nothing good thing we left a marker so i can find the spot we still do surgery we still take out that area i do oncoplastic surgery that's fancy talk we can still make it look good dog on it we uh, ought to oncoplastic be. surgery yeah. onco for the cancer Plastic surgery. Okay. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I also have some plastic surgeons I work really closely with. If people need reconstruction, they do that. They're specialists. Right. But if I'm doing a lumpectomy, meaning we just took out a little piece, we don't leave a divot. We don't leave big scars. We can make it look good because we should. Okay. For those who just join us again, Dr. Ann Kieran, we were talking about a change that if there is no family history, no high risk of breast cancer in that patient, um, then you can begin mammograms at age 45. Other than that, you've been hearing age 40, and most insurance companies will support you at age 40 if you want to begin and be begin and be proactive in your mammograms. What about the other ways that we screen or look for breast cancer in our body? So people who are, okay, we say high risk, meaning high risk to develop breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So you've got either big family history or known genetic mutations. That always sounds scary, too. But those people, if your mom was diagnosed at 45, you should be getting checked at 35. Ten years before her diagnosis. Yes, because okay. that is what we see in genetic. A lot of times if it's one of those strong, messed up genes, um, they will show up younger. Okay. But we can do not just mammograms, ultrasounds. They're awesome. But they look at the breast different. This one thing people are like, why can't I do that instead? Because radiation with a mammogram. Okay, it's an x-ray. So it's controlled. CT scans are not good for screening. They actually are a lot more radiation than a mammogram. Interesting. A lot more radiation. MRIs. That's our other big one. Magnetic resonance. That sounds cool. But um, each of those are a different tool very, in looking at the breast tissue itself. Very, very different. MRIs look at blood flow because cancers cheat. They get extra blood flow. That's why you have to have contrast with an MRI. Okay. Some people don't like it because it's very loud and it depends Kinda on where you get it done. feeling, right. sure. Although, thankfully, now there are people making open MRIs because they realized that was a problem. There's nothing wrong with getting appropriate surveillance. So that's screening. Like if you need it younger, it's got to be more often. If you're okay with that. We've got better screening now, and it's going to get better. What about what we do for ourselves in terms of being familiar with the contour? Because as you mentioned, we've been paralle- uh, paralleling breast cancer cells or breast cancer with five-year-olds, okay? so <laughs> Which is appropriate, too, actually. <laughs> uh, in fact, my question... Uh, we're gonna self-exam. Self-exam. Because every woman's body mm-hmm. and every woman's breast tissue is going to be individual. Absolutely. So tell us about the role of self-exams in preventing or diagnosis of breast cancer. Important. You should know yourself. One of the problems, I think, with when they used to say breast self-exam was they said five days before your period. Now, that was – whoops. Am I going to get in trouble if I say it was probably guys that came up with that? I know. I, when are women's <laughs> breasts the most tender? Right. Right before. Right. Mm-hmm. So the reason they were trying to pick a date was because you have a zillion hormones that interact in your body, including the breast. So – I tell people, wait till five days after, because one, you know exactly when you ended your period. Exactly. Uh, Five days after, it's still going to be the same issue. Your hormones should be at about the same balance point. If you are consistent with that, because if you do it one week before, during, and one week after, your breasts are going to be totally different. Because your breasts, every month that you are still able to bear children, they change every single month. Wow. With ovulation, with hormones, because your breasts are ready just in case. 
And then if you don't get pregnant, they change back again. That's why you want to do the self-exam. Ah, yes. And there is a way. In fact, I was checking out your website. Uh, with, this is Jordan Valley Cancer Center and the Breast Care Center. You can just Google Breast Care Center Jordan Valley. There is information there about mm-hmm. correct self-exams. Sure. Right? I not? mean, a lot of people did not know that the breast tissue extends under the arm know, or goes almost to the top of the shoulder. Mm-hmm. So there's a an area of your body that you want to be completely familiar with. I guess when we get older, maybe it doesn't reach up quite as high <laughs> on gravity. Yeah, that's true. Right. That's that's the truth. Yeah. And we have to be comfortable talking about our body. Absolutely. Okay. So we want to do those monthly, the mm-hmm. same time, approximately five days after our period yeah. has ended. So the hormones are fairly level right. at that time. And then if we feel something that is feels abnormal, the next step is? Call your doctor. Okay. Look, half the time, a lot of, I see a lot of people, thankfully, when it's not cancer, because I've got an ultrasound in my office. If you're a breast specialist, um, a lot of us that are fellowship-trained breast surgeons... We all know how to use an ultrasound, and I can do imaging right there. If I'm not, if I say, "Well, that's not enough imaging," I will make sure you get the right kind of mammogram. But a lot of times, you're like, "Oh, look, it's a cyst," which in essence is a water balloon in the breast. We can drain that with a little skinny little bitty needle afterward, nicely numb up the skin. Or it's a fibroadenoma. That one sounds scary, but it's totally benign. It's like a little rubber ball. And that's it's kind of common, isn't it, for women common. to have these little fibroids? Very common. Okay. You just have to know, and a lot of times, I will. When I do ultrasounds, I show people. You're looking at the screen, too, because as a doctor, I'm allowed to do that. Techs are not always allowed to. There's the whole medical legal side. Let's skip that part. But to me, knowledge is power. I spend a lot of time talking to people that come to me because if you see it and you understand it, it can decrease breast pain. It can decrease worry, decrease stress, which actually impacts your risk for breast cancer. How's that? Right. So we want to be as healthy as possible, Mm -hmm. eating healthy. Yep. And work on our fitness goals sure. so that we're exercising regularly. That will help us in the fight against all cancer, but in, di- in addition, breast cancer. And it makes you feel better. Right. Be aware of your family mm-hmm. risk factors. Yes. Is it there? Talk to your physician. Ask your physician, your family practice physician off the top, when should I be getting my mammograms? Mm-hmm. Are there any risk factors that affect me as smoking, alcohol yeah. consumption, and others? Yep. And then begin to watch yourself not only every month, but get those mammograms year by year. When you should. What What are you watching for? We have about five more minutes, okay. but what are you watching for with these annual mammograms? Uh, the trick is make sure you get them at the same place if you can, because they actually will compare your most recent one to every past one you've done there. They can find subtle changes, and we've caught some really early stuff because of that. As you get older, the density, well, okay, it used to. Things are changing because women are having kids later in life now. That's changing things. But usually you're your breast tissue is not as dense and you can see more. But calcifications do not mean cancer. Don't confuse those two. It's weird ones might. But expect changes. But that way, if you're doing your own breast exams, you recognize those changes as they're happening and you don't worry so much about it on the mammogram. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Be comfortable with your body. Mm -hmm. Be comfortable asking the questions. We're a new generation. You just go to generation behind me and we were nervous to say, can I get this? I'm not comfortable. I would like a mammogram. Help me. I'm feeling something. If the doctor says, don't worry about it and you're worried be assertive, right? With your own health care. doctor and make sure second opinions are okay. So what is breast care community outreach, Dr. Kieran? What is that, that term itself? Uh So getting out into the communities that are not getting mammograms, that are afraid of it, that don't understand you can check yourself and that it's okay to go ask questions, to understand risk reduction. I would love to see less, less cancer, way less. But if we don't go out and tell people, how are they supposed to know? That's community outreach, doing things like strides. The Making Strides Walk, which is coming I mean, up short. These sure. are huge because they help the research. They help the research not just for what do we do to treat it, 
What can we do for risk reduction? A lot of that research goes to that, too. What do we do with survivors? What do we do with caregivers? To support them, oh right? Oh, my gosh. That's huge nowadays. Yes. So it's really important that we include all of that. And community outreach is at every level, all generations, knowledge. You mentioned uh, strides, making mm-hmm. strides in Utah. The American Cancer Society has a walk uh, coming up. I believe it's October 14th 15th. or 15th. Thank you. In downtown Salt Lake, oh, Liberty yes. Park. At the park. Yeah, okay. Liberty Park. People it's are fun. invited to participate. It's also fundraising for, for more research. But it is also a community of others. The more we talk about it, the more we paint the town pink, the more lives we save, which might even be our own. Could be mine. Right? Could be yours. Could be yours. Dr. Ann Kieran, the medical director of the Jordan Valley Cancer Center and the Breast Care Center. We've put a lot of information out there um, on not only the different understanding different breast cancer cells because everybody's cancer will be different, lots of different risk factors. If someone has information or, or needs information like, okay, I'm ready to take that step to be in charge of my breast health. What would you recommend are their first steps? Uh, you can talk with your primary care f- provider. If they don't know, if they don't actually, I, I feel bad for them. They have to know way too much yeah. about such a comprehensive wide spectrum of a body. Sure. So you can try to get to a specialist. There are good websites, breastcancer.org, americancancersociety.org. Go to ones that are actually... Be careful on the internet, right? Yeah, those that are confirmed yes. research entities. Real research okay. really does help. I know some, I, don't get me wrong, I'm all about integrative stuff because I do understand the diet and how much that stuff matters and, and all of that. But look at something that actually has research. You can look at that and say, oh, they actually compared people who did to people who didn't. Right. Make sure it's based in does, some facts. Does the Jordan Valley Cancer Center or the Breast Care Center have a front end where people can bring their basic questions about their own breast health? Absolutely. A lot of times if they're at the breast care center and if they don't have the answer there, they just call me. I I love to help. That's what I do. And that's why I do what I do because I love it. Right. So you can visit. I know that mm-hmm. you have almost like a spa-like center with the breast care center. You mentioned the, the chemo area, the yep. windows. But if you, know, if you don't have breast cancer right now, this is still your center. Yep. Go see it Absolutely. so that you break down those barriers of fear and become much more comfortable with the resources in our community. All for the community, and I love it. Dr. Ann Kieran, dedicating her life to breast cancer disease treatment and uh, lowering the cancer risk in our community here in Utah and across the nation. The medical director of the Jordan Valley Cancer Center, as we paint the town pink. More information is online on fm100.com. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely a pleasure.